0: To Work-Life-Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing moonlighting in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first... Time for the daily Uh, stand-up.
1: I've mostly recovered from the Thanksgiving coma, so I I feel perfectly capable, mostly capable, of handling a daily stand-up. The feasting time has eclipsed. Thank fucking God. Uh, There's only so hedonistic a man can be and still feel okay in the morning.
0: Uh, Gotta Uh, get your little boots ready.
1: My little boots? It's a Caligula. <laughs> you gotta, look, you gotta temper your references for me a little bit. I'm not nearly as well read as you are.
0: <laughs> uh, so uh, I was going to talk about getting stuck in holiday traffic. Uh-huh. Because I was on my way back from down by my mom. Right. Uh, who lives a couple hours away. And so I stop. Uh, I get a big, big gulp at the truck stop. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I get the the biggest of the big gulps. (laughs) The biggest of gulps. (laughs) We're cruising along, and then just I round a corner, and traffic stopped. Yeah. And I rattle my empty cup. (laughs) <laughs> and I sit there and the gravity
1: of the situation slowly sinks in
0: and the gravity of the situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there and like people are, this is bad enough. Like no movement whatsoever. Folks are shutting off their cars. Oh, and, no. and I'm like, mm. that's the worst.
1: Like just w- when you start seeing everybody in front of you start shutting off their car you know you are straight fucked like oh, you yeah. are going nowhere
0: and so eventually the the big big gulp decided it wanted to leave <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> and here i am oh, stuck in no. traffic
1: uh huh on the interstate in front of god and everybody where mm-hmm. there are laws that prevent you from doing what you need to
0: do <laughs> oh well, there's laws and then there's me i mean there's just me Derek. you know how prissy i can be sure right <laughs> uh, you know because i'm sitting there and I'm, it's like start drumming your fingers on mm-hmm. the steering wheel start shifting in your seat a lot and, and britta was like are you are you gonna have a problem and i'm like <laughs> going to have is the wrong tense i'll be currently having (laughs) it's just like you could go to the side of the road but i know that you would rather set yourself on fire (laughs) and i'm like this is correct good read good read yeah this i mm -mm, no no sir no sir and finally somebody next to me like i'm sitting there and i'm dying (laughs) and literally the guy next to us gets out of his car And goes Uh over to the side of the road, and we're like, all right, kids, avert your eyes, give give this person some privacy. Sure. And I'm like, I hate you so much.
1: (laughs) You wish, for once in your life, you looked at a man and said, I wish I could be you. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I finally felt envy, Derek, for the first time. (laughs) It was bitter, and I did not like it. (laughs) Oh, my God. All
1: right, so I don't want to get I don't want to get too blue here, Frank, but like what what is preventing you from, you know, if if everybody's out there relieving themselves, what is preventing you from joining the crowd and doing the the natural thing? I mean, what could be more natural than peeing in the fucking woods? I mean, I guess that's a a bit of a stretch, but peeing in
0: in the relative wilderness Derek, there are ways things should be done. <laughs> and while I have hand sanitizer in the car, I do not have a sink. Okay, that that makes... That puts a different spin on it, because that, that is not something
1: that I considered. Because, you know, I, I have been in many situations like this, like... You know, I used to go hunting a lot and do a lot of like work around the hunting club and things like that. And during those times, there's not really a a readily available bathroom facility with you know hand washing stations and things like that. There are just bushes, many, many bushes, and so that's just what you do. Like you just have to uh, suck it up and go pee in the bushes sometimes. And it is not my way, Derek. I I see that. And and I if if I had the same feeling about like germs and cleanliness that I did <laughs> that I have now, uh if I'd had that back then, I might have been a little bit grossed out for uh for having relieved myself uh outside of the proper facilities. Um but sometimes it's just necessary. But I I I wanna refocus on you feeling that that just deep envy for this man, this uncouth barbarian. <laughs>
0: who <laughs> so this so, animal this,
1: this animal um that uh was feeling what you so desperately wanted to feel at that moment
0: Oh, uh, it was ter- and finally so like i got to the point Derek. i was <laughs> i was jean luc picard at the end of that episode i <laughs> i saw the lights <laughs> and oh I was just about ready to step out of the car because it I could not handle it any longer. <laughs> you had and reached, traffic started you reached moving again. Oh my God. Uh-huh. At a crawl at like a mile an hour. And I did have the thought. I had a thought like I could just let the car go forward without me and maybe maybe I could catch up. <laughs> no
1: see, that would be the worst of the worst because you've missed your opp- opportunity to to do the thing that you least wanted to do. Now that you had committed yourself to doing it, uh, the opportunity had been removed from you. And I, I think you would have made it worse. Maybe somebody could have like, just swapped the driver's seat for a moment, let you do your thing. And then, like, re swap. I I don't know. I I think you could have made it work, Um, but ghost riding the whip
0: so that you can drain the lizard uh, is is not a good look on you, Frank. Yeah, no, no, but it's not me. (laughs) Oh, so we finally, like, finally it just crawled, and I was, I don't know. I, it was, it's difficult to to even... I I think I've lost time. Like, I might have been abducted by aliens. (laughs) Because you kind of have to. Like, you have to just
1: remove yourself from what your body is telling you at the current moment. It is saying, I'm full, baby. I am... I am ready to go. And, uh, you know, your mind is having to tell it, you know, we've got another 45 minutes before we make it to somewhere where that can happen. And those two are
0: fighting in a in deadly combat and <laughs> i had just... i had almost reached perfect enlightenment like i had to be <laughs> completely without body and completely without self <laughs> you had to be a hundred percent zen in order to uh keep that equilibrium oh and and we finally like it finally got to the next exit and i i was just drive. i drove off the exit Calmly parked in front of the, the the first gas station, and had the doors been locked, I would have broken in. You would have you would have committed a crime. Oh, I'm I'm pretty sure the doors would have just imploded inward in front of me as if I were Magneto. At I was that about point. to say just 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 wave your hand and they just go
1: flying just from the whatever anguish you were experiencing at the time.
0: Um, oh, that was, that was just absolutely terrible. <laughs> that, that is a, that is both a wonderful thing
1: and a terrible thing. Like once you get to that, that restroom, you know, that you are so, you're so close to relief.
0: Oh yeah. It's a uh, hell racer film at that point.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I've had a, a similar experience, not quite as extended as yours, Um, but you know, it's just like one of those stretches of road where there's literally no, no rest stops for, for 20 or 30 miles. Um, and I told myself I'll get the next one and the next one didn't come for 20 or 30 (laughs) minutes. So um, I've made a mistake. Yeah. So, so I, I I, uh, veritably floated my way, uh, to the next rest stop, which was 30, 40 miles away. Um, get off on the exit and it's it's a very small exit like it's not doesn't have like four or five uh uh rest stops to choose from or like a pilot like a big uh truck stop or anything like that it was just a this is your last chance to pee uh or or it's the only chance to pee in like a 100 mile stretch so you better get it while you can i go up to the to the the rest stop uh, it is very clear from my from my cadence and my facial expression what I'm there for um, <laughs> I make my way to the restroom uh,
0: to find it out of order I mean it's only got to be a certain amount of order there is <laughs> <laughs> if there is drainage
1: uh, it is not out of order for for what I need to do no the, so it was just the the men's that was out of order uh, that is the I believe the one and only time I've I've used the women's restroom and I, I went and I got a I got permission beforehand and I I requested that they would stand guard to make sure uh that no ladies came in after me because it wasn't like a uh one person and lock it it was you know a couple of couple of stalls. Yeah, that was that was a dangerous time and uh just like you have said before where you You found religion and lost it, uh, all, all within the span of five minutes because, because your, your mind just, just starts spiraling about, we are, we are in dire straits. What, what is the next, what is the next thing? Like there is no plan B. I I had put all my chips into this, into this square, uh, and we rolled the roulette table and, uh, the roulette table exploded. But no, I I feel you Frank. Uh, I and see I can appreciate how bad that must have gotten because for you to almost have broken your solemn vow uh of of always washing <laughs> your hands thoroughly
0: after using the bathroom. Um you almost broke it. Oh yeah. Um, no, I was I was as I said, the the car started moving just as I was like you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna have to do the, and then everybody starts moving forward, and I'm like, oh. oh. I had time now. <laughs> I that was about to say, I had time now.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm sorry that was such a harrowing experience. No, um, I, I, I'm curious as to, you know, obviously Britta was, was somewhat clued into to what was going on. Um, what was
0: this kind of a, uh, <laughs> be quiet, children, daddy is concentrating type of thing? Oh, oh yeah. No, that was, it was a couple of questions and it was very much like, ask me no questions. I have to have a perfect stillness of self. I'm sorry, that's the best part. <laughs> oh god let me regain my composure oh
1: oh god <sighs> because normally you are you are pretty uh you're pretty open to inquisitive nature so i feel that you would normally have uh answer questions or you know been very helpful um in in shaping young minds but in this particular case
0: no, there there are some things for which you just need, you know, at best, others going, Oh, <laughs> They should have, see, they should have joined in, and they should have given you some of their
1: chi power, or whatever, their chia pets, whatever, whatever they have to help. All right, Derek, let's hit the deep dive. <laughs> All right, today on the deep dive, I want to talk about moonlighting. Sometimes one job just doesn't provide the money or adventure you desire, and it becomes either necessary or beneficial to start moonlighting and get yourself a side hustle, more specifically a side project or second job to fill in the gaps left by your primary occupation. So Frank, what are the main motivations for moonlighting?
0: You know, Derek, I think this was the vehicle that really catapulted Bruce Willis into stardom. And it was seminal television for the first three seasons, but it started to fall apart around season four. Is there some sort of TV series called Moonlighting? There is, Derek. There is a TV series (laughs) called Moonlighting, because that's the closest (laughs) I can fucking get to Moonlighting. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Project managers and managers don't. There's not a lot of call for freelance in that department, Derek. (laughs) You never know when
1: somebody would, you know, has a a, a team of freelancers that they need uh, freelance managed, at least part time. So um, far,
0: I have found absolutely zero of those. If anybody knows of it, feel free to send them in my direction. All right.
1: So in in that case, I will give uh, what I feel are some some decent motivations for moonlighting. Um, okay. Well. Okay. So, so we'll back up. So. I think there there is definitely, like you have just pointed out, there's definitely a, a particular set of skills uh, or careers that can moonlight, and there are some that are not so well suited. Uh, what do you think are some, uh, other than the obvious, like, you know, the most obvious one that we're talking about is software development, uh, what are some other good uh, opportunities for moonlighting? Like, what are good I mean- jobs that apply to that?
0: there's there's a lot of opportunities for police officers i think you know it's kind of a classic thing where they they either do uh off duty security or or stuff like that i think they've got to get permission but you know they essentially mm-hmm. provide the there is a a guy who knows what he's doing standing in the corner so don't fuck with anything right uh so you know they can pick up an extra shift here or there for that bartenders can you know they can work more than one bar Right. Yeah. And I think that there, there, there is a small
1: and, and not so, I guess it's not a very big distinction. Um, but there, there is a distinction between like moonlighting and, you know, just having multiple jobs. Um, I mean, I, I guess with moonlighting specifically, I, I'm saying, um, a a job in which you spend, you know, significantly less time doing it than you do your main job. Um, you know, for like most software jobs, like you work 40, 50 hours a week at your, uh, your main hustle. And then you have, you know, a side project that takes up 10, 15, 20 hours if you're, you know, if you're lucky and hopefully no more than that. So you do devote a lot less time to the second gig, uh, but it is still, it is still ever present.
0: But it's an opportunity to make a little bit extra money. I mean, I know for software developers, there's the the extra money bit. And then there's also the I get the freedom to work in other languages or with other technologies that I don't necessarily get a chance to work with at work.
1: Right, because there are are a lot of situations where a developer will get into a particular role that might be uh, fairly lucrative at a company, or they just feel some sort of ownership over the product, uh, but they don't really have the opportunity to use a language they're interested in or something like that, or they don't really have a lot of challenge. Um, So they'll have a side gig that will kind of scratch that particular itch of, of challenge or expanding the repertoire so that they could then, you know, eventually move on um in some in some cases it's actually kind of like uh the canary in the mine for uh you know i want to do a side project so that i can see how this is going to work so that we can then implement it uh in the main application or or, you know bring my side work experience into uh, my main career
0: and that's one of the reasons why in a lot of places now you'll have that innovation uh time set aside right and and the innovation time is really an opportunity for an organization to kind of harness that desire from the development staff, right? By letting them go nuts and play around a little bit, because it it actually produces a lot of really good stuff. See, and, and my only my only problem with
1: the the way that we typically do like innovation sprints and things like that uh, is that a lot of times it is a focus. Wh- whether it's correctly being interpreted as a focus on how can we innovate and improve this product? It often is taken as that of how can we improve this product? Not how can we do something cool period. And so if there was, I think that if there was, there was a focus on like uh, throwaway applications um, or th- you know, things that are meant to just be proof of concept and immediately thrown away. Um, I-, I think that would be perfectly acceptable um, because then you can say, you know, this has nothing to do with what we're doing now. We're just trying to figure out how this particular technology works or something like that. Let's, let's do a you know fairly, uh, insignificant example and get it to work with that. And then maybe we can discuss what it means for, you know, working into our application later. I think that would be more effective.
0: So what happens when... You know, like, you're, you've you got your side hustle, your side gig, your side project, or whatever. And I've seen some people, sometimes their side project begins to overtake their actual work. Yeah. And then eventually becomes <laughs> their actual work, where... And, and sometimes that's how it works, and how they like it is, you know, as it gets to be more self-sufficient... They can eventually quit their day job and work completely only on their secondary work right,
1: which for you know some some projects and some some people that is you know that is entirely the end goal like that's what they want when they set out to do something um you know sometimes it's like I really want to do this cool thing, uh nobody's paying for me to do it yet, so let me just you know take some extra time and do it uh but eventually, I would love this to be my my whole thing, like I would love for this to to pay my bills and allow me to quit my main job. Um, but like you said, like there is that <laughs> there is that weird period where, let's say that the side gig is is doing pretty well, uh, it is growing and it is slowly overtaking uh, the main job. So now there is that that period in between where uh, it's taking too much time. The, you know, the side gig is taking too much time and it's interfering with the main job. How long do you hang on before you make that switch? Like <laughs> how I guess it depends on on how much you feel uh, obligated or, or that you you have rapport with your current company yeah. um, that you that you want to be respectful to them. I, I hope you do. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you I mean, be respectful. What we should say is, you know, as soon as you feel like you're no longer able to give your all to your current organization, you should let them know, pack up shop, and and head out to to do what you're going to do. I know human beings, though. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say. Uh, Should and do. Are two completely separate things. No, nah, they're gonna hang on. They're gonna hang on until they're they're doing like ten percent of their actual job at work, and their boss is calling them into the office before they're like, "Take this job and <laughs> shove it."
1: <laughs> and sometimes it goes further than that. Sometimes they hang on even longer, uh, to where you know they're they're putting everybody in a bad position, uh, especially the bosses that like them, and they say, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore." to which they say take this job and shove it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so I for my part like I don't think I would necessarily have a problem with that. I think as as you had pointed out earlier, the way that people tend to do innovation sprints doesn't necessarily capture the imagination of the folks that are doing the work. Right. And and people get in a position to leave, either because they've they've stumbled on something that is going to make them enormous amounts of money, like I've created new Facebook, better, less racist <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> it's less a Facebook, susceptible
1: to Russian infiltration. Facebook. Yeah, it's a
0: Facebook where the Russians can't get in, and your drunk <laughs> uncle can't find you. Oh, now you want now you make me want that Facebook, Frank. Exactly. I'm going to uh, disrupt the Facebook industry. <laughs> or they're just they're bored with the current work, and you don't want bored software developers because they have a tendency to get up and wander off, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So,
1: so let me ask this. So, we we talked about there being some. Uh, a little bit of a, a, a tug of war between, you know, time spent on the main job, time spent on the side gig. Um, obviously, you know, from a from an employer's perspective, like you need to you need to show up and do and do what they're asking you to do. Make sure that you're taking care of business first um, and then you you will earn some credits to you know work on some other stuff that's unrelated. So with that, like, how do you how do you avoid the conflicts of interest between the two, like how how do you balance that? I guess as a like as the worker
0: or as the manager.
1: I, I actually i I was thinking of the worker, but I think I think the of the employer. It's an even more interesting question. How how do you how do you balance that? How do you let people do that and not feel like you're being cheated out of something?
0: And I think most people aren't willing to let things go enough not to feel cheated by that. Like. Right. Sure, I don't necessarily want people doing not-work things at work. That That's kind of a knee-jerk reaction for me, though. Sure, right. Like, if if I have a a designated amount of stuff that I need to get done, and then you get that done really quickly, and then you are doing something else to keep from being bored, that's not necessarily on you, that's on me for not having provided enough interesting and engaging work i think right like and then we improve on that next time we get more work we get better work we put you into a different position where you've got different roles and responsibilities but to some extent folks are just going to have like especially with knowledge workers like like software developers they're gonna have a side gig and to be offended or pretend like you you weren't expecting them to do so is kind of disingenuous naive
1: at at least Um, and, and yeah, I I think you're right. I think, I I think there is a, there is a point where even a a little bit of, of side work or doing stuff that isn't particularly, you know, job a related, I, I do think managers have a tendency to kind of feel cheated out of time or something like that, or, oh, well, if you have time to do that, well, why don't I just double your workload? Um, and I mean, that's maybe that's not. The worst question to ask. Like if somebody is doing three times as much work on their side project as they are on the main project, but they're still meeting deadlines, maybe you're not being uh aggressive enough (laughs) in your deadlines. Far be it from me to encourage more aggressive deadlines, for sure, (laughs) but uh in this case it may be maybe necessary.
0: But I, Um, I think even there, like that if if a if a developer is working to such a low standard at the current job then we've got a problem that we need to address. Either we need to address that person and get them out of the environment, like the company. <laughs> or we need to address the environmental issues that are causing them to be so disengaged from the work. Like I, right, I still absolutely. espouse to a management philosophy that's like, if if you're sitting there and you're fucking off for 30 hours and you're getting everything done in 10, but you are not in any way, shape, or form trying to take on more work... <laughs> then uh-huh. I have fucked up in some way. Like, I want right. you to to want to do the work. If if for no other reason than to not be an asshole. If you're like, man, I feel good <laughs> fucking this guy out of 75% of the labor that he's paying for, then we have got a really bad relationship.
1: Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And there are stories uh, online where somebody will literally automate their job. Like, they will, they will take 40 hours of work, they will automate it, and they will get it done in, uh, you know, Two hours of actual effort, uh but they will still pretend like they're like they're just uh slowly working through all the work when they have you know thirty eight hours of stuff to just fuck around with that that does speak to a much bigger problem of you know, I don't feel like me being the person that that automates my job and uh, is not looking for extra work to do. you know I don't respect the company enough to say, hey. This is, this is whack. I am doing so much less work than you're paying me to do. You know, let, us let's, let's find other things to do. Let's find other ways to improve something. Um, Cause it might be sometimes where, you know, the, the person doesn't feel like the company deserves it. Um, I've been in a couple situations like that where it's like, yeah, I could break my back and do all this extra work and you know, and what would it get me? Like the, the company doesn't care. The company doesn't deserve to do better, Um, but you know, most of the time, it's I'm in that when I'm I'm in that situation of I've finished my work. I need more to do. I, I do have enough ownership to say you know I care about this product. Let me go find something else that actively needs to be done. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, that we that both sides are in kind of a a little bit of a tug of war between. The employee and the employer of how much side work they're allowed to do with that in mind, does the employer actually have a right to know if they are not working at stuff at work? But if they are uh, putting in their 40 hours at the at at place a and doing, you know, side project B completely outside of work hours, does the employer have a right to know?
0: I mean, I don't I don't think they do, unless, of course, you're contractually obligated to let them know. I mean, I know right. some folks, like, I think if you're an animator at Disney, there is literally nothing that you put to paper that Disney doesn't own.
1: Wow. That, yeah,
0: like, that even in your pastime shit. So, like, you don't—there's no way that you can work on a Disney film and then go do uh, animations for a video game or something. Like, they— they have it in their contracts that they own everything that you do that involves art. Wow,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I've worked at places where they they had a moonlighting policy where you have to literally submit like the project specifications to everything that you are working on on the side, whether or not it ha- it pertains to anything that has to do with you know stuff at work.
0: But I, I honestly think that that's bullshit. Like I don't think I agree. that that's I don't think that's anything. That they necessarily need to know, and I think it's overreach by the part of the organization. I agree,
1: and, and it's not it's not often that you see that.
0: Um, because honestly, if I
1: were the employer, you know, of course I would be concerned about whether or not they were, like you said, <laughs> fucking around or or spending too much time on it, you know, during the day. But honestly, if you know, if it's a software development job, and they're on the side working on like better technologies and better practices uh, that they could then bring to the, the job a, um, you know, I think it's kind of irresponsible to, to keep them from doing that. Cause they may, you may uh, by accident, get yourself a better employee and a better developer than you hired, which is cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is short-sighted and, uh, and pretty selfish from uh, an employer to say, you know, you can't work on things other than, than my stuff. But, you know, still, you got to make money. So if uh, if your employer has that in their contract, do not break it because things will be so bad. (laughs) Uh, I've seen before where somebody didn't know that they had one of those clauses where where it says uh, anything you do outside of work still belongs to us. Um, And this product that was about to completely take off, it got taken and it got killed because it was a competitor uh or it could have eventually been a competitor to what they're working on uh in their main job so be careful don't don't pretend like it doesn't exist head in the sand will not protect you but
0: uh, that's very depressing <laughs> let's get to a question from the audience and save ourselves from depressing this we often work remotely with other states where everyone is in a conference room together, and you're on the phone, they seem to have complete disregard for the fact that you can't see them. They fail to speak up, and you can't get a word in without talking over the others. Solutions from overlooked and Overton
1: oh god, i I will say poor conference call etiquette is one of my biggest pet peeves, and I, I know we all have our moments where we are allowed to be um, selfish on the conference call or in bad form on the conference call. Uh, but people that do it all the time that, like I said, never speak up are are uh, maybe maybe they gesticulate in a way that would aid their point. But you cannot see them. Therefore, the point is
0: lost that that bugs the hell out of me for sure. Yeah, see, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, and I, I'm used to having so many different people on the on the horn on these conference calls. This uh-huh. is this is why I like video conference, absolutely. And I also think that the video conference should work something like chat roulette, where it has <laughs> taken over your camera. Okay, you never know when your camera is going to be up on the big screen. Oh my goodness. That'll get everybody paying attention because they never know at what point are they going to be up on the big screen just picking their nose and staring off into space reading the New York Times. See, I love this so much. Like I want this
1: to be I want this to be implemented in all video con- conferencing software. Um it's kind of like the situation in you know some classrooms where if they have like an an iPad or Uh, a computer screen or something like that, you know, at any time the, uh, the professor or teacher can put it up on the big screen. I fucking love that because it, it has such, uh, such room for abuse for such funny things. Um, so it, 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 it occupies a very special place in my heart. Now, if I ever got fucked by it, uh, then I might feel differently. But as somebody who has never seen it go poorly, only, Only hilariously, I would say I agree 100%.
0: But for this guy, so this this caller seems to have a problem with folks that are just talking over them while while they're on the phone and everyone else is in the conference room together. Right. Yeah. mm, Okay. I'm thinking at that point, Airhorn. Or or air horns probably too much. I think it'll just, it'll, it'll overtake and it'll just peek out and, and you're just going to get fuzz. I think Vuvuzela.
1: Mm, Okay. Because we have discussed air horn diplomacy before, but Vuvuzela diplomacy is not something we have covered before.
0: Yeah. See, the air horn is sharp and surprising, but is not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to travel over the phone into a conference room very well but i do think the vuvuzela with its sustained annoyance (laughs) sustained mild growing annoyance yeah
1: i think it could definitely work because uh the thing is if you have it's kind of like the the talking stick uh you if you have a point to make you can start playing your your vuvuzela and maybe uh like, maybe when you start playing, you're, you're quiet to let people know that you would, you would like to talk, but not actually interrupt another point. Uh, but eventually, if they don't let you talk, you just keep growing to a, a crescendo, and uh, eventually nobody hears
0: shit until pe- everybody stops talking, then you get to talk. <laughs> or, I'm thinking office. So, for the office, I think what you do is you go and get a mechanical external keyboard. And then you take yourself off mute, and you get the keyboard real close to the microphone, and then you just go at that bastard like it owes you money. (laughs) Uh, Because there is absolutely nothing more annoying on a conference call than that one guy who won't fucking mute, and is typing like he is trying to break his laptop in half. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is, that is terrible. I, I will, I will ask this, which do you think is worse? The super loud, super sharp, uh, clacking of mechanical keys or the, the deep thumps of somebody typing on a laptop?
0: Oh, I, I think it's the mechanical clacking of the keys. Cause it's that, it's that high portion of the note that mm-hmm. really makes it where no one else can talk. And that's, that's that's our goal here. That our goal is if they're not going to let you get a word in edgewise, then you just have the clack, 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 clack of your keys (laughs) until they finally are like, can, can whoever that is mute (laughs) for the love of God, whoever is writing Ulysses, please stop (laughs) writing Ulysses at like
1: 300 words per minute. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is super annoying. And and there are levels to it. Like there are, there are, like you said, or like we talked about, there is somebody typing on a laptop. There's somebody uh, on on one end. There's somebody typing on the laptop, which is a very low, uh, low drumming. And then you have the uh, machine gun sounds of a mechanical keyboard on the other end. And you have this wide scale in the middle to play with, uh, to to dial it in to your particular needs. So you don't have to go with uh, one of the two uh, high DEF CON options. You can go with something more uh, in the middle. And as, as the problem increases in severity, you can go further
0: up the scale. I love this. I love this. Mechanical doom. Because it's, it's going to be completely inexplicable for the folks in the conference room. Because right. at first, <laughs> it's the thuddy sounds of someone typing on a laptop keyboard. Right, but then you escalate, and suddenly it's the clackety sounds of someone typing on a mechanical external keyboard, and then finally, it is someone typing on an Underwood typewriter with full action, chaka chaka chaka, and the <laughs> carriage return just. <laughs> oh
1: God, that would be amazing. Even if I was the one being interrupted, I think I would appreciate how much work went into uh, acquiring a, a working typewriter to, at this day and age uh, that that puts out the sound that loud. I would be very impressed, to be honest. <laughs> but where are you going to get that kind of typewriter,
0: though, Frank? I mean, I used to have one, Derek. I, <laughs> I went through a bit of a hipster phase. Okay. I... I'm not surprised. Like, you
1: you do fancy yourself as a writer. Um, I am hoping that you didn't take it with you to the, uh, the, the Panera Bread, like I have seen some people do before. You can go to hell. You don't judge me, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On Sundays from, from 12 to 2, you can see Frank working on his memoir at the local Panera Bread, with his Underwood typewriter.
0: Well, it's not going to be the Panera, Derek. You've got to go to a locally owned coffee shop. No, no, no,
1: that that's if you're actually serious.
0: The the Panera bread people
1: are are probably the the hacks, I guess. I guess that is important to to, to denote like what uh it's not just somebody typing in a coffee shop. It's what coffee shop or or place they're typing at. Panera, too, you know, too, uh, commercial. You're not,
0: you're not. A oh, yeah, writer. Yeah. No, you've got to have the local coffee shop, the skinny jeans, the chunky
1: glasses. Okay. Now I know what to look for whenever I need somebody to ghost, write my memoir. I got it.
0: Want to get to an issue from the internet?
1: Yep. Let's do that. All right. This issue is titled. Am I obligated to use a coworker's nickname by Spimble? Spimble. Uh, It's like a thimble,
0: but for saliva.
1: Gross. As in to, like, carry it or to protect you from it? Uh, To
0: protect you from it, I guess.
1: Okay, that's that's fine. I'm back on board. I was very concerned for a moment. So Spimble says, I have a coworker named Bob, in parentheses, not his real name, uh, who keeps insisting that I call him Shaw. I don't think it's right that I'd be required to use what seems to be a silly pet name. The guy is already extremely creepy. He says that he feels like he's being punished when I call him Bob. We work for a very large professional engineering company. Am I off base here? I'd really like to know what what others have to say about this. To clarify, he has asked everyone at work to call him Shaw, and some people do. The origin of the nickname has nothing to do at all with his origins or genealogy, It's that his sister called him that as a small child, which is part of my objection. It feels more intimate than I want to be with him. I should say his given name is actually a very awkward name, one that sounds a little silly or nerdy.
0: And on top of that, his middle name, a family name, is even worse. If he wants to be called Shaw, which is one single syllable, and his actual Mm -hmm. name is like Brock Waddle. That's a good one. Much better than my, uh,
1: my fake silly name which was like Eustace you know Guinevere or something for a guy um yours is definitely much more off the wall but yeah yeah i i think i think you're right i think that if uh some sort of monosyllabic representation or something that you could call him instead of that
0: horrible name i i think it's i think it's okay like <laughs> I, it's just I, I i think i agree with the original poster that this being like a family nickname from when you were a kid, I don't. Yeah, that feels that, a little weirdly intimate.
1: I agree with that. that That part of it, I definitely can see as being a little bit odd, because the the origin of the nickname does appear to be, you know, like you said, somewhat family related. I mean, I, I have <laughs> my family has a nickname for me that is very stupid. Uh, uh, should I say it? You have to now, Derek. (laughs) So, uh, my family calls me Diggy or Digit. Uh, as my sister was learning to say my name, uh, she was a dumb little kid and she fucked it up a lot. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) So in two different stages, uh, she, she started calling me. Uh, Diggy and then diggit. Uh, so those are two variations on my uh, childhood n- nickname um, that they that they still call me to this day. I certainly, for fucking sure, am never going to ask anyone outside of my family to ever call me that. Ask. Um, no, Derek. <laughs> that's. I, I accept that. I knew the risk when we started this podcast that I may. <laughs> I I knew. Mike. My, my first thought was. I'm going to have to say my stupid nickname, aren't I? And and I was right. It it happened 48 episodes in, but it happened. So so yeah, I I can see that as being if I started walking around the office asking everybody to call me Diggy, um that might be a problem. I could see people's resistance to that.
0: At the same time, like I think I would probably just I think I would split the difference and I would create a brand new nickname. Like we don't want the old family nickname. We don't want a diggy, but we don't want something so nerdy as to be impossible to say out loud. Like Derek. Fuck you, Frankie. (laughs) (laughs) When you said it, I I knew where
1: you were going. I knew you was going to say it and you did. Fuck you.
0: So then we just, we, we create a whole new one. We just call you D town. It's not bad. Not
1: bad. I don't necessarily love the, the fact that I would be a location, uh, perhaps <laughs> I don't want people, you know, sliding into D town. <laughs> I mean, what you do on the weekends is your own business, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already have the ones that have been given to me. Uh, the most prominent of which is dirty D, which is not bad. Raises some eyebrows sometimes as it doesn't seem to fit me. It's like it's like what's your nickname, Dirty D? No, no. I mean, clean, clean D. Clean D is more like it. Uh, squeaky clean.
0: That's my better. uh, my nickname like around the house. I don't know if I, I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but like I announced roller derby, and I ended uh-huh. up my actual just sort of pet name that my wife calls me. She yelled it out across a bar at an after party. <laughs> and that became my roller derby sort of nom de gear. Right. And and so thereafter I was ogre. And because I was, I was, you know, in roller derby, you get to have your own name and I right. was going to come in and it was going to be awesome. I was going to be HP Love Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's such a
1: deep treasure trove of of things to pull from but I instead
0: mean, i i got i got ogre which ogre. is fine
1: like that that it's definitely still, works it's still for cool me. like i still i say it's like an eight out of ten on the uh you got a good one scale
0: <laughs> yeah most and i mean the most of mine a guy named ogre with a couple of tattoos and you know like i i'm starting to fit the bill a little more
1: yeah and and you know, you're right. Like sometimes you don't get to choose your own, but in this particular case, I, I think you're, I think you should have a, some sort of work nickname that is, that, that you said is is splitting the uprights that it's not the intimate family name. It's not his horrible, regular name. So, uh, come up with something. Uh, maybe you can have like a poll or something that you, that you pass around to everybody, uh, get them to vote or uh you could have this guy come up with with his own that although i will say it would then have to go through the approval process for sure um, yeah. once once he came up with his own cuz cuz he's already fucked it up once he's shown that he's not trustworthy with these with these nicknames so it has to go through a vetting process but if, uh, if we could... put
0: it through any sort of vetting process derek though you know for a fact that his name will become worker mcworkface
1: <laughs> uh I, I'm not gonna say that's worse like it it could be it still could be better you know <laughs> just look at Bodie mcBoatface like Bodie mcBoatface they they named him that out of uh meanness or you know just wanting to stick it to somebody, and you can't look at that boat and not tell me that he's happy to be called Bodie mcBoatface like that is that is a happy motherfucking boat.
0: Yeah, I guess it beats the nickname I would probably give this guy in private, which would be fuckwit. <laughs>
1: yeah, there there are nicknames that people have uh behind their back and what you call them to their face. Uh I try to keep that as uh as close to each other as possible and uh and and not have uh backbiting or backstabbing nicknames for people because then then like part of the problem with that is like if you if you have a nickname for somebody that you don't tell them uh then you have to keep it up with it in your head and that's not good because you know when when Derek gets uh gets energetic or mad the the first thing that comes up is the first thing that comes out and i don't want it to be the wrong one so Maybe that's me being a good person. Maybe that's just me covering my ass. I don't know.
0: That's a problem that I have, because I, I honestly, I tend to give people little internal nicknames based on unfortunate <laughs> characteristics.
1: hmm
0: That did happen one time. I was at a party, and some guy came in, and he was wearing, like, a captain's hat inexplicably uh-huh. in a landlocked area. <laughs> And Didn't so, you even have
1: like the jacket that, that would go along with it and no, stuff, or?
0: just the captain's hat. Wow. And, and like in my brain, he was <laughs> named Admiral Ass Hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. And after a couple of drinks, I was like, Hey, Admiral Ass Hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I love that so much. It's, it's got it rolls off the tongue so well.
0: What was his reaction at the time? He either had had enough to drink, or he did not want to get into a fight with the giant guy. (laughs) This guy's seven feet tall. He can call me whatever the fuck he wants. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Uh, So it it didn't go over badly, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh, I I just said that out loud." Well, I guess we're going to go with it, And, and eventually, it stuck. Like he was just Admiral Asshat for the rest of the time.
1: That's, that's fantastic. So, so there's one part of this that, that I, that I want to point out, um, or, or at least a question that this brings up, is there ever a point at which it is okay for someone to say, this is my nickname. This is what I want everybody to refer to me as now. Now I'm not talking about like William and Bill, Robert and Bob, that type of stuff. Like I'm talking about like somebody has a normal human name and they disregard all the nicknames for that human name, and they come up with, you know, uh, I'd really like you to call me by my name that I prefer, which is X X, X Scissor Your Mom XX. X. X. Um, you know, <laughs> there are limits to this. I feel. Am am I incorrect? Like, you what, what would you never do if somebody?
0: Ever. Ever tell someone to call you by a nickname that is not a diminutive of your actual name, without sounding like a complete asshole? I agree one hundred percent. Even in you know,
1: disregarding my completely uh, nonsensical uh, example, like yes, that that makes you look like a douche. Like I have like monikers that I've gone by like on the internet. That may be a good litmus test. Like if if it's what you're called on the internet. You can't ask human people face to face to call you that. Like, I, I don't care. Like you, you may think you're a badass, uh, unless you are like a professional gamer. Like, and even then, even then, it's it's rough because like there are like uh let's see, there are uh there's a professional gamer named Taco. There's a professional gamer named uh Haunters or Haunzer. Uh Ninja th- there- there's ninja. Uh there's uh I'm a cutie pie. <laughs> there there is uh big fat gg uh or big fat lp <laughs> which which is basically Korean for penis. All of these all of these examples are just to say that you don't get to you don't get to tell your coworkers to call you something that isn't a you know a play on your own name without looking stupid. 100%. I am hard in that camp wait i came out wrong i am very firmly in that camp
0: yeah I, i think i think you're right so this person i think he's he's in the wrong just to start like it doesn't even matter that it's his childhood nickname it's the fact that he's going around telling people that they should call him by a certain name now it may be that he's getting out in front like his his nerdy first name naturally shortens to something that is you know, unfortunate or not a lot of fun to be called a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Like Dick. Right. Nobody these days wants to get called Dick constantly. Yeah, I'm
1: trying to think of anybody that I have known that was not a dick that wanted to be called Dick, and I can't think of anybody. But yeah, so if if there is something that that they're a shortened version of their name uh, would be very unfortunate, yes, you can you they can come up with something that is still based off their name but you know as far as you using something just off the wall i think it's straight out i will ask are there any exceptions like can you think of any exceptions to it's my nickname is not based on my name but i still
0: want you to call me that any exception it's hard to go like sometimes i introduce myself in a derby setting as ogre like Because that is, but that is less like, that's my nickname and more, that's my name in this space. Right. Right. Like that's my actual, that's my name while I'm at, at that job. Like while I'm doing that work, that is my name. That is not me. Like everybody calls me Ogre. Like if, if I were (laughs) to do that outside of that context, I would be immediately placed in prison forever. Absolutely. You would go straight to jail. For sure. So I I just, I don't think there's any opportunity to do so that is not like a diminutive of your name without being a douche canoe.
1: I agree. So, yeah, I think this person is, they're a little bit out of their lane to ask for people to call them this, this childhood name. Although uh, I think that they should have some sort of, uh, some sort of process for picking a pre-approved nickname that can uh split the difference and not be their their nerdy name or their childhood nickname. There's something in between. There has ah, to be.
0: Poor Turd Morton
1: Handergast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I Yeah, I could see the problem of being called Turd. But if you if you own it, like if you really just lean into it, I mean not like <laughs> Not, like, have, like, turd-themed, you know, poo-themed stuff on your desk, but, like, lean into it and embrace it somewhat. You know, I think that could come off as, like, ah, he's he's so much on the other side of this that, like, it's cool now to be called turd. I'm not saying there's not a lot of work there to, to get it to happen. I'm just saying it can be done. Want to punch the clock? Yep, let's punch the clock. If you'd like to send us a question to answer on air, please send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com where you'll find all of our social media links and also links to our store, Patreon and other ways you can support the show. A big thank you to our growing list of patrons on Patreon. You lovely people have pitched in to help us make the show bigger and better. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts and guys, there's nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. And that means if you like the show, Please share us with people you know and tell them all about us.
0: Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a frenemy. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Can you think of just just how amazing the power play would be
1: of walking into a meeting and saying, "What's up, bitches? I'm a turd."
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the only way that you can pull that off is if you're like one of those SoundCloud rappers. I, yeah, I can see that. They're, they're the kind of people that can walk in with a lot of false bravado and <laughs> completely unearned bravado. <laughs> exactly, and just be like, "What's up, fuckers? I'm turd." <laughs> Oh... Uh-huh.